0: Listening to a playful podcast where I talk about everything from the wonders of messy play to stories from my wonderful but messy life. I'm Mariah and I'm the creator of A Playful Purpose Learning for Littles and I'm so glad you found me. All right, let's get this party started. Hey everyone, welcome back to A Playful Purpose. A Playful Purpose. What is this, my first episode? It's episode 17. Mariah, get it together, get your head in the game. Welcome back to A Playful Podcast. Today is episode 17, like I mentioned, and I don't know about you, but the weather has been A++ lately, and it is making me just want to be outside at all times. When I was in the classroom, I was one of those people that just wanted to go outside all the time. We would do outdoor learning every single day for like multiple hours, and I thought that I was going to be like that as a mom. But I am not going to lie, I have been disappointed in myself and how little I've been getting out with Andrew. I feel like it stems from the fact that we don't have appropriate outerwear for him because he's growing so fast and we're kind of between sizes and I don't know, I can't get my life together in terms of his outerwear. So then I'm like, oh, it's too cold. We can't go outside. But no more. I am pledging it right now on this podcast. We are going to get outside as much as possible, even if it's just to our yard, because I feel significantly better, and this is not news to me. I've known it forever. When I get outside, when our littles get outside, when our class gets outside, everyone is in a better mood. And because I'm working so much right now, what I'm finding is I'm just on tech so much. And so getting outside is that counterbalance that I need for all of that tech time, all that screen time that I'm inevitably getting because my business is based online. And I don't know if you've been checking out my website lately, but one thing that you'll notice is that it's got a big refresh. Start my life, I'm always changing my website, but this one I finally feel like, okay, it looks good. And what I found in the process of writing my website copy, which is just the words that are on the website, is that I really honed in on my purpose, my mission, and the path I want to take a playable purpose in. And the one thing that I just kept saying over and over and over again when I was doing this like workbook to figure out your mission is that... I was writing down key phrases that I say all the time. And the one that I just kept highlighting over and over again was simplicity is the key. And this is truly my driving mission with a playable purpose. I want to help educators in the classroom reduce their burnout by making sure they're doing, quite frankly, as little as possible. We don't need to be out here reinventing the wheel. We don't need to be out here spending hours and hours prepping every night and working on report cards all weekend. Like this is not the way that we're going to achieve that work-life balance and avoid getting burnt out and going on stress leave because that's exactly where I was right before the pandemic happened. And I had an appointment with my doctor all set up to go on stress leave. And then, spoiler alert, uh, the pandemic happened and I didn't need to go on stress leave because we switched to working from home. But that was not the first time in my career I'd wanted to go on stress leave. It was just the time in my career where things had started escalating again, and I wasn't prioritizing my own life. I was prioritizing teaching. And in order to help other people not have this happen, I want to take as much of that load off as I can, which is why I kind of like hinted at that new membership I'm going to release in November, which is going to have monthly plans and monthly assessments and a lot of like support and handholding so that you don't burn out and want to leave the classroom like I did. And if there's one thing I know, it's that the less natural something feels, the harder it is to keep it simple. Because that imposter syndrome that I talked about in episode 16 creeps up. And when we're thinking, okay, I need to plan for this math activity, but you don't feel confident in your math teaching, well, that's when you're going to get sucked into the world of socials and Pinterest, because you're going to be searching for that quote-unquote perfect math idea for hours and hours and hours. And in reality, could have just probably picked the first idea that you found, and it would have been just as good. But all that self-doubt creeps in, and it just makes it harder and harder to keep simple, to keep that planning one and done. And based on my conversations on Instagram, really these major feelings of self-doubt seem to be rooted in a few major things. First of all, we've got French education. People not feeling confident in their level of French, even though they went through an interview process and they got hired as a French teacher. Second of all, we've got reading people not feeling confident in teaching reading. And I will be the first one to raise my hand and say that I do not feel confident teaching reading. And finally, outdoor learning. And even though outdoor learning has kind of been on the forefront and like a buzzword over the last few years, it seems like people still feel really unconfident that there is valuable learning going on that they could justify their program to other people. And so this obvious lack of confidence in these two areas obviously there's more than that, but these were the two big ones that popped up in that question box are what prompted me to make this episode. And like I mentioned before, I am definitely not an expert in teaching reading. In fact, this is an area that I really just don't feel confident in at all. It's just so abstract to me and I can't understand it well. So this episode is not about teaching reading. It is about outdoor education. Thankfully, I have the opportunity to learn a lot more about reading this summer at Camp Kinder because Jess of Parfait en Première Anie and Sarah from Loose Parts of Kinder are going to be running sessions on the science of reading and orthopedic ortho... I don't even know the word orthographic mapping, something with reading that Jess is doing. I literally don't even know what that word is. That's how little I know about it. And I'm really excited to learn from them and finally understand how to, and with the evidence to support why, the methods of teaching reading are that we should be doing in the classroom. But what I can talk to you about today is outdoor learning. And in this episode, I'm going to be showing you how it's really as easy as one, two, three, after you've mastered counting, that is, because counting is not always easy for all of our littles, but. In this episode, outdoor education can be as easy as one, two, three, and I'll be sharing these three steps with you today. All right, so step one, when it comes to embracing outdoor learning and simplifying the planning process as much as you can, the first step is internal. And that's because your mindset really matters. You need to see the value and believe in it in order to feel good about spending your time outside to justify it to yourself, your other team members, your admin, and your parents. And again, this comes back to that imposter syndrome episode. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to episode 16. Because if you're having imposter syndrome about the value of outdoor learning, it's a lot harder for you to feel good about it, stand up strong and tall about your choices to spend so much time outside. And if you need help finding that why, the best thing you can do is start with open observation. Because this helps us shift our mindset away from outdoor learning is recess time, I am just supervising and moves toward outdoor learning time is filled with rich, deep learning. My students are making connections. Over planning can definitely take away the joy and the magic of outdoor learning. So let this podcast be the liberation you need to help you stop overplanning your outdoor education block and just get back to seeing the value in the basics. Nature is the basics. Overplanning can take away from the very point of getting outside. So if for the next week you don't plan a single thing for outdoor learning and your main goal is to observe, notice, and name, you're going to be amazed with the result. Just head outside and watch your littles, see what they want to do naturally on their own. Notice what gross and fine motor skills are working on. Notice how they're collaborating and communicating with each other. Notice the imaginative play and the problem solving and innovating that's going on while they build and play in the mud kitchen and play in the puddle and do all of these amazing things completely unprompted. Use that to solidify your why, solidify the fact that you know outdoor learning is a worthwhile part of your routine. After that week of observation, then you can move into this model that I like to use with outdoor education, which is just to truly embrace that your activity is an invitation. You're going to offer the activity, but not really put too much pressure on yourself and not really care if they don't do it. All we can do is offer an invitation, extend that invitation to learn. And if they don't accept it, we try again the next day and just embrace the play and learning that they are naturally doing. They're naturally going to be inclined to play in particular ways. You can offer something out, but you've already done that solid week of observation. So you know, even if they don't take you up on your offer, they're still going to be engaging in meaningful play-based learning all on their own. And this should kind of reassure you that even if you feel like your activity was a total flop, it doesn't matter, they're learning anyway. You did your part, you offered something out to them, they didn't take it, move on with your day and enjoy that block where you can document, you can connect, you can play with your students. Honestly, if you offer the exact same thing the next week, or in a small group, or even one-on-one, you might get an entirely different response. So just because something felt like a flop doesn't mean you need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You're just going to maybe take a beat, offer it again, present it in a new light, or just not stress about it at all. Moving on to step two, which is that you're going to let your littles be your gut. And there's a couple things that I mean by this. First of all, you're going to figure out what kind of activities they like to do outside. And this is going to be something that you figure out in that week of observation. You're going to collect so much data in that observation time that you'll really be able to move forward with a clear vision for your outdoor education program. Do the majority of your littles, or is there a solid group of them that are always playing some sort of mud kitchen? Awesome. Why don't you just bring out some pots and pans to encourage this behavior? Do they seem to be looking for things and collecting objects and making counting collections? Cool. Try a scavenger hunt print them out, or have them make their own. Are they just running around and getting their sillies out and playing imaginative games? Amazing. Bring some costume pieces out. Bring some puppets out. Bring some plastic animals out. Anything that can maybe encourage them or bring their play in a new direction. Are they drawing? They love to draw. They're using sticks to kind of draw things in the sand. Cool. Bring out some chalks. Bring out some journals. Bring out some crayons. Crayons are my go-to for outdoor learning as an aside because they don't need sharpeners and you don't need to worry about the caps. (laughs) remember that you always have the option to do nothing, to add nothing, to trust them and their own ideas for play. These things I've mentioned are just ways that you could perhaps bring something out if you felt so inclined to add to the play or to extend it into a new direction. But if they're happily engaged with drawing with a stick on the ground, we don't need to do anything. We don't need to intervene at all. They're happily playing over there using sticks in the ground. You can go over and join them and practice drawing shapes and model different things they can do but you don't have to be always doing something they're already doing enough the next thing you're going to notice is what kind of materials they're gravitating towards maybe they're always grasping for shovels but there's never enough maybe they are super drawn like magnets to the mud this is the perfect opportunity to notice if conflict is arising from a lack of quantity and then you can start to brainstorm how to fix this maybe you're going to model how to use a different material in a similar way Maybe you can ask for donations. Maybe you can access a board library of resources. There's lots of things that you can do to kind of troubleshoot and problem-solve conflict arising from resource scarcity. You're also going to notice who is playing together. Are there different matches of groups of kids that play together inside and out? Are there regular conflicts we can mitigate by pulling a small group of specific littles or suggesting other matches who are engaged in in an activity that they like? Maybe one group is playing kind of like they're like climbing a tree or something, but you're noticing some conflicts happening. And there is a little in the group that you know loves working at the mud kitchen. Then you can say, oh, did you notice that so-and-so is over there playing in the mud kitchen? Come over and show them what you were doing the other day. And you can entice them over to a new area and kind of foster those new connections and new friendships. And the last thing I want you to notice is when do the I'm bored, I'm cold, I need to go pee comments start to roll in. If it's happening at kind of the same time every day, This is going to be a great indication of how to plan your outdoor learning block. I know the tendency is to start with the offer of an activity and then when the interest kind of wanes to go into open-ended play. But what if you flipped it? What if you started with open play and when you notice their interest starting to wane with that, that's when you can start being like, well, what if we did this together? And you offer your activity. This is also great when you notice that If all of your activities end up kind of seeming like a flop, no one wants to do them, that's probably because they're so excited to be outside and play with the known things that are already out there, the known games that they get to do. So offering them later in the play block when they've gotten that initial burst of excitement out is a great way to bring that planning in. And now we'll move on to step three, the final step of this podcast. Step three is to create a routine. I want you to try your best to get out at the same time every day. And I know this is easier said than done in some schedules, but the more we're able to create consistency with our routine, the more our littles are able to anticipate what's coming, plan their play, and really feel comfortable. And when our littles are comfortable and they've had a chance to really explore that part of the routine, that's when we're going to notice them more naturally extending their learning and taking those risks and trying new things. Because we've established that sense of comfort that they feel like, okay, this is a space where I can try something new. And your routine is more than just we go outside at 8 a.m. every day. Your routine is every little, little step that you take to get outside. For example, maybe you always line up on the wall, do a head count, do your outdoor circle, and then say, one, two, three, let's play, and away they go. Maybe at the end, you blow the whistle, they tidy up, they run to the wall, you read a story, they put their hands on their head, and then you go inside for snack. These are all little parts of your routine that you want to keep as consistent as possible. You'll notice a reduction in behavior because 90% of your class will know what to do and they'll just start doing it. Then you can focus on those few that need a lot of extra support in order to get through that routine smoothly. If you're constantly changing up the order of events, then your 90% who are your reliable littles who would have been able to do it a lot more independently well, now they're lost themselves. So we need to set them up for success so that we can focus on the ones who need more help in order to achieve that same success. I'd also encourage you to go over your expectations clearly, consistently, and a lot more than you think you need to. We went over our outdoor education expectations almost every single day, definitely weekly. And these would be things like boundaries, play rules, timing, bathroom routine, tidy up routine, different signals playground rules, school rules. Risky play is going to be a whole other episode, but let's say your school has very strict rules on we can't climb the trees. You're going to want to go over that so that right from the forefront, they know what they're allowed and what they're not allowed to do. And then if something happens, you can say, oh, do you remember we talked about this at the beginning of play today? Can you remind me about our play rules? And it's a lot easier than going after the fact and having to explain all the rules. Set them up for success. Be very clear and consistent with your expectations. The final thing I want to leave you with for this episode about outdoor play is that I really want you to try and remove the pressure of being the planner. Maybe this is your first opportunity, your first chance to dip your toe into co-planning with your littles. Outdoor education is the perfect way to embrace co-planning. For example, you could sit down with them on a Thursday and have them decide what you'll be doing for outdoor learning next week. This is a great way to do it because it's low stakes, because if their ideas are a flop, we already talked about it, it doesn't matter. There's so much more they can do outside and they'll be engaged. It's a great way to kind of create that stake in outdoor learning, to create that stake and ownership in their own education and make them excited about those learning opportunities. This is particularly useful if you notice that you have a class that does predominantly just want to do their own thing outside. If they are the ones planning their activities, they're going to want to do them because it was their own idea. This is helpful, too, because it takes that pressure off of you. If you can do Thursday Circle as a planning for outdoor learning, well, now you don't need to plan your Thursday Circle and you don't need to plan your outdoor learning. It's a total win-win. So that's where we'll end it today. Kat from Germinamon and Haley from Early Years Inquirer are going to be telling you a lot more about outdoor education at Camp Kinder this summer. And summer is the perfect time to take your laptop outside, immerse yourselves in their sessions as much as possible, and deepen your learning and your love of outdoor learning. Camp Kinder Registration is opening on May 1st, so make sure you're on the crew list. I'll put a link in the show notes and don't hesitate to DM me for about any questions or about any of the sessions. You can also find me on Instagram at Camp Kinder Weekend. And that brings us to the end of this episode of A Playful Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, sparkle and shine.